Boy, any chance we get here in the fast lane to poke fun at the whole embrace debate style of commentary. We never pass that opportunity up. So, of course, it's teed up for us in a different way because quarterbacks have been announced publicly. Virginia Tech announcing Grant Wells will be their guy. We kind of saw this coming as he beat out Kyron Drones, who will reportedly have packages for him as well. And then Virginia, Tony Musket officially being named starter uh, a few days ago, even though, I mean, we all knew that was an inevitability when he was one of the three Virginia representatives at the ACC football kickoff about a month ago. Our chat with Tony Musket, by the way, is up at Fast Lane Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts. And then, of course, Liberty, Jamie Chowell, head football coach, speaking with the media yesterday. And we reiterated, of course, right now that they, too, privately know the quarterback order. We have. Um, you know, internally, we know what it is. Our, 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 our uh, quarterbacks know, what it is, know who the order is right now. And so that's not something we're probably going to announce publicly for a while. Uh, but, um, but they have an idea who they are, and they, we, we've met with them and let them know. And, and as we practice, as we practice uh, going forward, the, the, uh, the guys that go out there will be what our mindset is. I hope, I hope nobody puts that on social media for the next week and a half, see a red. And, um, and so that, that we can try to keep that quiet. Jamie Chabwell, little gamesmanship and calling out, of course, our friends John Manson and Richie Longshots and company. I was going to say, it's like uh, he's taking a play out of your playbook, you know, firing some strays at a Sea of Red, like you fire strays at me all the time. When do I fire strays at you, Trey? Do we all the time? I mean, you did it last week. You just, you, you, you know. I have had some moments where I've been really frustrated and... Instead of directing the criticism at the problem, it's directed at you. Yeah, there we go. That's and how sometimes I get some what you do is the problem, but I say this all the time. I'm not, I rarely really get upset with Trey the person or Ty the person. It's usually a problem that pops up, and if they're there when it happens and something they do is part of it, then it's let's correct the problem. But after I get done defending myself, back to the point at hand, not every quarterback situation is the same. See, we've gone into this a little bit of liberty, and it certainly is a topic that's going to be discussed over the next week and change before they get ready for their opener against Bowling Green noon kickoff. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Next Saturday, I'll get to have a life, including listening to Old Dominion Virginia Tech on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app as part of our slew of college football games next week. But for liberty, there is the gamesmanship element that, that does make a lot of sense, not just the tragedies in camp that have legitimately made this a challenging camp for Liberty University, but also the fact that they're also trying to use this while they can for gamesmanship because people have an idea of Jamie Chadwell and his offense. And yes, quarterback running, a lot of motion, that spread, let's call it what it is, option concept It's just done out of the shotgun as opposed to the triple option that you think with the service academies. But that's part of it. But then there's the other angles to this. If you're going to analyze how Liberty's handling it, it's not reasonable to compare it to Virginia Tech or Virginia. See, first of all, it's a new coach at Liberty and a new staff on the offensive side of the ball. And things can change drastically. If you're a Liberty fan, you went through this when it went from Turner Gill to Hugh Freeze. And now Hugh Freeze, whose system is much different from Jamie Chadwell's. So that's part of it. Yes, there's some incumbents at quarterback, Caden Salter, and Jonathan Bennett. There's also the new guy, 
Trey Lowe. And Nate Hampton, who seems to be the one guy that, you know, again, I'll say it sounds like he's been ruled out of this. But the other three all, supposedly, have been in the mix for quite a while. But let's go differently. For Virginia Tech and for Virginia, they deserve to be treated differently when looking at their quarterbacks because you've got two coaching staffs in place. For Virginia, let's just call it what it is. They didn't get along with Brennan Armstrong in terms of what Virginia wants at a quarterback and how Brennan Armstrong prefers to operate as a quarterback. And I'd say, Trey, what, that's pretty reasonable and fair, diplomatic included to criticize last year? Yeah, diplomatic is probably a good way to put it. So that's obvious. So you bring in Tony Musket from the transfer portal, and you've got a true freshman in Anthony Calandra who was projected to be the third quarterback until Jay Wolfolk decided he wanted to focus on baseball as opposed to football. Jokes about the Virginia offense aside, if you're a relief pitcher in baseball, and Wolfolk is, and you can actually translate that to being a major league relief pitcher, you may still put a lot of wear and tear on your arm, but you're not getting the rest of your body beat up in the same way that a football player is. Not to mention the fact that you know, whether it's what Brendan Arm or what uh, Bronco Mendenhall recruited Jay Wolfolk to be, and then how he was viewed by Tony Elliott, uh, I'm not holding my breath. He's going to be the next Bryce Young, the short quarterback who's intelligent enough to pass from the pocket. Or Kyler Murray, the athletic quarterback, but clearly lacking. I was going to say, skills. well, he's not big enough, but you could have used Tony Elliott's past and say Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson. Uh, I mean, th- he probably won't even be Taj Boyd. Trey, that's a very good point on Taj Boyd. R.I.P. the Liberty lineman. We're not talking about him, the former lineman. We're talking about the former Clemson quarterback who preceded Deshaun Watson, and then after that, Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, I don't think anybody at Virginia is, is going to be in that category. I know. Get off the limb here, Ed. But for Virginia, the coaching staff, everyone knew this order to a certain degree. And it was implied in spring practice that it was going to be either Musket or Wolfolk. And that probably Musket, then Wolfolk, then Calandria that you wanted to ideally redshirt. Maybe it still happens, maybe it doesn't. Depending on how the games go for Virginia this year and uh, what they end up having to do and needing to do at quarterback. But then there's Virginia Tech. And it's not the same because they handpicked Grant Wells and Kyron Drones out of the transfer portal. But a lot of the thought around Blacksburg was they didn't have very good weapons for Grant Wells last year. I'd agree, Trey, correct me if I'm wrong, that they've upgraded the running back room. You want Malachi Thomas to be healthy, but most good offenses, you need a second option at back. And Basial Tootin appears to be that, the transfer from North Carolina A&T. Wide receiver, one more spot on that, Trey. Everyone knew Caleb Smith was solid. Nobody could have foreseen the medical retirement. Uh, If you knew that, he wouldn't have transferred from Virginia Tech to Notre Dame. He was just medically retired. But he ended up medically retiring. But even in spite of that, they knew they had to upgrade at wide receiver, which is why they brought in patented lane genetics, Jalen Lane from Middle Tennessee, Daquan Felton from Norfolk State, and another guy from that neck of the woods, Ollie Jennings from Old Dominion. To go with Daquan Wright, the tight end, who's more of a pass catcher flex option, uh, and then Nick Gallo as well. And yes, there are concerns on the offensive line for both these programs, but just Trey, bigger picture overview, I don't think you can treat your treatment of how these quarterback situations unfolded in the same box of, oh my goodness, they should have known this guy from the start, or they shouldn't have. They're just totally different circumstances, in part, coaches identifying their guys and selecting them, Virginia Tech and Virginia 
versus trying to figure out just what they've got to work with in a total roster rebuild on the fly, Jamie Chabwell at Liberty. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Hugh Freeze probably went more temporary than long-term in terms of roster building, trying to you know get back to where he was on an SEC roster. I think this is year two. This is kind of where you expect it, more of their guys in. And I, I think... Um, and it's, it's more of I don't know when it comes to a Tyler Bowen offense. And based off the history at Clemson and this offense that Tony Elliott likes to run... They're more player dependent than Jamie Chadwell's scheme, and I, I, you know, look at Jamie Chadwell's scheme. He had undersized offensive linemen. Um, he didn't have any real elite outside of maybe Isaiah Likely, the tight end. He didn't really have any elite elite pass catchers. He did have a the most efficient passer in college football, which was Grayson McCall, which. Still kind of baffled me a little bit if he was in the portal, why he didn't come to Liberty, or or maybe it was grades. Uh, he was looking for a Power Five offer, didn't come. But I, you know, I, I, and maybe the quarterback room is too big. Um, but if that is a sign, maybe they didn't even think about McCall because they liked the quarterback room. That could mean a good thing for Jonathan Bennett or a Caden Salter. So I think if you're Jamie Chadwell, you're just looking for someone to be an efficient point guard in your offense because I think they're going to scheme a lot of guys open, scheme a lot of really good run plays because his offense, to me, has proven a lot more than the Virginia Tech offense and the Virginia offense that they are not as... Whoa, po- whoa, whoa. Get off that limb. Proven more than the Virginia offense? Yeah. I'm being sarcastic. Okay. I was like, uh, his offense has proven that it's not as much player dependent, which it's a group of five offense. It probably needs to be less player dependent compared to Virginia Tech. Like, if Virginia Tech's offense doesn't improve this year, you can definitively argue it is more scheme-based than player-based because they have dudes on the outside. They have they have really good talent at running, at running back. Um, and I think, like, Grant Wells has been a decent, is me trying to, like... I nine think, picks, nine interceptions last year. But if you go back to when he was Marshall, he's what a four thousand yard passer. Like he he was pre, he was okay. And if he's okay this year with those pass catchers, if he can just get if he doesn't turn the ball over with those pass catchers and the expectations on that defense, I think he can have an efficient year. So are you saying that for Virginia Tech, it's kind of like almost not the same scheme, obviously, but what you're asking a quarterback to do? point guard distribute to the playmakers similar to how Jamie Chadwell will construct it with that philosophy not how you get there but with that philosophy in mind uh, as you want a quarterback that uh, Grayson McCall has been great but even before that like you mentioned there's not a, a, a real oh my god quarterback there you want the quarterback to get the ball to the playmakers and that's where Virginia Tech needed to do that to have a real figure for what Grant Wells can actually do yeah and I, I just think the only difference is I don't trust yet Tyler Bowen as the play caller to scheme people open compared to what Jamie Chadwell will do. Oh, 100%. Chadwell's proven it as a head coach and as Not an just at line. Coastal Carolina. You go back to his time at, at Charleston Southern as well. Um, so, like, his time as a head coach. So, uh, I, I think personally, like, I have expect if, if the Virginia Tech offense doesn't improve, um, and, and the only reason why I could see it not improving if it's awful, awful quarterback play where, like, let's say they scheme up Allie Jennings running wide open and Grant Wells just underthrows him and throws an interception, and then the same thing happens for Kyron Drones. Well, I again think that's a worry for Tyler Bowen, not developing quarterback, but I also think 
the issues again back at at quarterback and it could be at the end of the year we have a a a scheme and quarterback issue which frankly is probably been an issue for Virginia Tech you know since Gerard Evans where I I don't think Virginia Tech schematically was was that great uh, under head, you know Brad Cornelison and Justin Fuente, you know outside of that Hinden Hooker kind of run towards the back half of a year where they had an efficient offense, but last time they were really good schematically is when they had a really good quarterback. Trey and the last and to tie it back to Virginia, sorry to interrupt, Ed. The last time Clemson or, or, or let me let me rephrase the last time a Tony Elliott offense was good is when they had the best quarterback in the country and the best running back in the country and great wide receivers that are going are in the NFL two two first round picks of the Jacksonville Jaguars basically yeah but you and you could argue that Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne were the best players at their position in the country oh you could argue they it were, because the NFL said so because Etienne was what the second back drafted after Najee Harris if i'm I think remembering so. correctly yep. and then obviously Trevor Lawrence was the first quarterback drafted and he's after, really good after Urban Meyer screwed him up he got back on track in what was essentially his rookie year last year um Trey has skepticism about the look of the Virginia Tech offense under Tyler Bowen and dating back to most of the Justin Fuente era. Your spouse may have skepticism about how your hair looks. Well, there's a solution for you at Insane Radio Deals. Good thing I don't have one. .com. I have a spouse, and she does have skepticism about my hair, and she has been begging me as soon as this football rush of high school and next week college in the pro kind of wraps up, then I have to book my appointment at the Lotus Beauty Bar to get it trimmed up in some fashion. Trey thinks it should all go bye-bye. We're not quite at that point, but... If you let me do it, I don't know what bet we could do, but somehow, some way, just like live stream me shaving your head would be a dream of mine. Trey was going to... Ty was even saying to Trey that if I let Trey cut my hair, I might as well just go bald because there's no hope for anything going forward. But there is hope for you to get your hair done correctly at the Lotus Beauty Bar when you shop at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Yeah, if we did that, you can get it fixed at the Lotus Beauty Bar. Yes, Trey can cut it, and then Thomas, Steven, and the other stylists over there can make sure you're looking a whole lot better. Looking good, but not perfect. That's part of where we start things off in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Somebody has leaked to Adam Schefter. What we mentioned yesterday in the Fast Lane, and you can even check the facts or the receipts, as they say, at Fast Lane, Ned Lane, where you listen to podcasts. Washington, the commanders, expressing optimism about the status of wide receiver Terry McLaurin, who suffered that turf toe injury Monday night. It's said to be a painful injury, especially for wide receivers when you think of uh, planting and using the front end of your feet and then the obvious very sharp, hard cuts that they're asked to make. His status, though, is uncertain for the regular season opener versus Arizona. He will work to be ready for the start of the season, but the start could be week two or week three. Schefter saying it's too early to say when that will be, but elaborating somebody put this in his ear i'm sure it is a typically typically a multi-week injury Um, this goes back to what we've said previously and will foreshadow an upcoming votes of confidence when we look at the nfl and that is 
that we don't really have a lot of confidence in the Arizona Cardinals. They are a six-point underdog, the Cardinals are, at the Washington Commanders, where the fans may just be delirious and excited because they have an owner other than Dan Snyder and they want to celebrate that. So don't be surprised da, 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 if you get more of this from the Commanders, which is the caution that we expressed might actually be on the horizon for them. Number four. Speaking of caution, the LSU Tigers should exercise no caution in sticking a middle finger to the NCAA. I did the gesture to the NCAA tie, not to you directly when I pseudo put that up a moment ago. At least he knows, Trey, it was not in your direction either. That's how you catch a stray, Ty. That's what he does. He, he, he that's You just caught a stray. Welcome to a... I got worse than that. Trey apparently is not only trying to poison... Ty, but Ty is jumping in just saying that he's gotten worse for me than the stray middle finger. But the LSU Tigers should send it to the NCAA because the NCAA has suspended star defensive tackle Mason Smith for that opener against Florida State, which at least for right now, if you're an ACC fan, maybe you root for the Knolls. Maybe you root against because you just believe they're already out the door. More on that in just a moment. But Smith has been suspended for receiving what was deemed to be an improper benefit, and he's eligible to return in week two. The supposed improper benefit is dun, 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 compensation for an autograph signing mere weeks before the NCAA allowed it under name, image, and likeness. How ridiculously absurd is this? I don't know who LSU plays in week two. I'm going to guess it's like McNeese State or Louisiana Monroe. Sorry, Liberty fans, but LSU should be able to handle them with greater ease than Grambling State. a couple years ago. Oh, it's Grambling. Oh, thank you. Even better. Do the old, let's appeal the suspension at the last second so Smith can play the opener because it's under appeal and then drop the appeal afterwards and let him serve that one game suspension for the meaningless game. I mean, heck, this used to happen all the time back in the day. You remember back at a place like, oh, Virginia Tech back in the day. I'll use them as an example. Where they would open up against some by game type opponent. It would be Virginia Tech against, I don't know, a McNeese State type team florida a&m somebody would do something absurd in the offseason and get that one game suspension so it would be against the not so good team well florida state and lsu play each other so if i'm lsu i appeal it then drop the appeal after the fsu game and then suspend mason smith for that and they probably have another bye game after that mcneese state game and voila you actually they start um they, that's when they start SEC play. Are they open against Auburn? Is that right? Usually uh, it's Auburn. Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Well, that's at least somewhat navigable. But besides the point, if I'm LSU, I'd rather have the defensive lineman ready for Florida State. Uh, but it might be a good thing for the Go ACC crowd of Florida State having a chance to uh, win that ball game with LSU being without one of its top defensive linemen. Number three. Speaking of the ACC, oh, here's a doozy for you. They stand reportedly, according to Yahoo, to make $72 million in additional revenue if they expand by three schools and add the geographically logical fits of SMU, Dallas, Texas, Stafford, and Cal out of the Bay Area. I mean, this to me is just such a go ACC move that they're going to add $72 million. But the reality is, is you have to split $72 million 15 ways now, or what would it be? 18 ways. If you add that, if you include Notre Dame, so what, for an extra $4 million, you're going to totally cripple the budget and bring in more teams that have to go further. And oh, by the way, you're going to listen to Notre Dame's wishes, even though they won't join a conference. How absurd is this? Are you that dumb? No. No. 
to answer the question of the three stooges. By the way, more on this with Dave Glenn, veteran ACC reporter around 545. Number two. Big news for tomorrow night. Lord Botetourt and EC Glass, what was supposed to be a 7 o'clock start, will now start at 730 to combat the predicted high temperatures tomorrow. Upwards of 95 degrees. Just keep that out there in terms of monitoring things on the upcoming radar for this upcoming weekend. Just again, monitor it, especially tomorrow. High school football kickoff times, wherever your game is, it might be impacted by the projected high temperatures. And number one on the Fast Five at five. I can't resist a second opportunity to just stick it to the NCAA. I love what Reggie Bush is doing. Planning to file a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA because of how they handled him receiving improper benefits from a sports management agent, which again is so comical because it was like a $350,000 house in Los Angeles. And if you're thinking $350,000 houses don't go all that far in Lynchburg, Virginia, if you're in LA, it's probably not in the best neighborhood either. It just happens to have a decent amount of space or it's a one bedroom, one bathroom, one kitchen, one small living room house for $350,000. That's what Reggie Bush and his family kind of got, and that's what the NCAA chose. And again, it's the subjectivity of that particular organization and the lack of leadership. It's people in charge, but not leadership. I am all for organizations just saying to hell with this nonsense. We're going to throw our middle fingers up, not our left hand up. Those haters can't stand us. Left hand up. Who are we? Throw their middle fingers up, proverbially speaking, at the NCAA. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. So, what we were initially going to do is get into the weeds on NASCAR this weekend at Daytona. But we're going to blend it together with our next guest because... We did. You forgot You forgot something. What? You forgot to say happy anniversary to the greatest day ever. What's the greatest day ever? The formation of the Alliance. Two years ago today. Oh, yes. Happy I anniversary. Totally, happy anniversary to a deceased conference, more or less, in the Pac-12. The ACC, which is getting desperate, adding some leftovers. And the conference that killed the Pac-12. And then the one that just started all this by, as you noted, the Big Ten. I mean, it's just, it's rather comical when it comes to that. So, yes, Trey, very good point. More on that with Dave Glenn around 545. But when we return, Trey's ego is about to go through the roof Uh, we're about to talk to a a champion we will explain all of this when we return next in the fast lane on the cbs sports radio lynchburg app and go ahead and prepare to add us of course trey law vt for the criticism and fast lane ed lane for all the love and adulation another stray